This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Social media often gets criticized for performance activism, but dig a little deeper and you can see platforms like Facebook and Instagram are actually key to rallying people behind various causes. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me to discuss the next installment of CNET's Citizen Now series is CNET editor Shelby Brown. Welcome, Shelby. Thanks for having me. So to start off, a bit of a broader question. What does digital activism mean to you? And on the flip side, what is performance activism? Digital activism for me, um, at least what I thought it was, um, that it always doing something, always being involved with something, always donating, sharing, reading. Um, but that's kind of bad for your mental health. It's overwhelming and it's unsustainable. So um, there are people who have made activism their job, and that's incredible. Um, sometimes I see my friends on social media who have made activism their careers, um, and it's really easy to fall into this mindset that you're not doing enough. Um, but activism can look really different uh, for everyone. And as far as the performative aspect, um, I actually... I think one of the biggest takeaways that I learned um, from the folks that I interviewed was that you can't assume the internal motivations of another person um, mm. to your question about performative uh, activism or advocacy. I certainly think that there is that it's a real thing and there's an issue. But I think that the answer to that is more going to lie within the person that could be doing it. And I don't think that it's as easy to to label as one might think. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's just a sort of dig or pull back the current on, on some of the reporting on this. Because when we, we initially, or when you initially approached the story, we were looking at sort of targeting performance activism and, you know, the criticisms that, that social media get when, you know, someone changes their profile photo to support the Know, cause of the day, but you, you found you dug a little bit deeper and you found a bit more nuance to that, right? Just I don't know if you could talk a little bit about that. I think one of the biggest, uh, like I said, you can't assume the internal motivations of another person. Um, mm-hmm. and sometimes changing the profile picture or the profile frame on your uh, on your Facebook is a really big deal, um, depending on the background that you've come from or that you might have changed your beliefs on something and you have a lot of people that might not agree with you on your social media. Um, we're all in our, di- we're all in different places in our lives, um, financially, physically, mentally. And it, during the pandemic, it's more important than ever to take care of your mental health. Um, especially when engaging with difficult social justice issues. So since we're all in different places, it, it makes sense that not everyone's activism is going to look the same. Right. No, that, that's, a, that's a good point and, and definitely one that gets a little lost when you're kind of jumping towards the assumption that you know, a lot of this stuff is performative. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, how has activism changed in the age of social media? Um, I think that social media has provided activism and those who are organizing for causes, um, with a really powerful tool. And 
It allows for faster dissemination of information uh, to wider populations. It makes activism more accessible to people who might not be able to attend or don't feel comfortable attending demonstrations or in-person events. And it also has a place, it also provides a place for um, important stories that might not wind up on mainstream news outlets, at least right away, but those can still, you know, reach incredibly far with social media. And, you know, in a lot of cases, it does catch the attention of mainstream news outlets because of how much attention it got on social media. Right. And in your discussions with, you know, advocacy groups and activists, how are they taking advantage of these platforms now? Or how have they gotten savvier about taking advantage of these platforms? Yeah, they're working really hard. I was so, it was fascinating to listen to what these, what these individual activists do and what their social media teams are doing. Because I think that, you know, for the average person, you kind of passively engage with social media to a degree. But these folks, you know, they're, they're using social media to organize events and share information about where marches are, um, what to bring. They're asking for supplies and donations. Um, they're live tweeting and sharing that real-time footage, uh, those live streams. And they're constantly tracking the traffic of where the most eyes are going to see their issue and anticipating these waves of interest of, of people suddenly becoming aware of an issue um, and making the most out of those waves and the aftermath of those waves to pivot to new topics. We've seen a lot of this in the last few years. Uh, you know, A big issue comes up, whether it's Black Lives Matter or anti-Asian hate. Uh, right now, Ukraine, uh, you know, you've seen folks put up profile photos, you know, showing their support, and then the interest sort of wanes and goes away. I'm curious what activists have to say about that, that ebb and flow of interest when it comes to social issues. Um, I can only imagine that it's really difficult um, to, because again, those social media teams are, are really working hard to, to stay on top of that and keep their... Uh, keep that cause in the spotlight. But I think there's also a sensitivity that the social media teams take as to not press press an issue when a larger issue is going on. I know that uh, I think the ACLU, you know, they had mentioned that there were some issues on deck for them that they were working with, but then, you know, the the war in Ukraine started and mm. there was some pivoting on their part as to as to make sure that they were that they were giving the right amount of attention to that. But I think that activists, what they, what they had told me was more that, that these ebbs and flows in social issues and the awareness that happens on social media, that's, that's going to happen. So it's about adapting to it. Um, and also not necessarily giving up hope that, you know, your issue has been forgotten um, when that traffic slows down, because you never know um, when one of those waves is going to start something bigger for one person or even a group of people. Got it. And, you know, your story also talks about COVID and sort of the pandemic, people being locked down uh, and what that did to, to activism. Like what, what happened over the last two years during the pandemic? A lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, statistics showed um, pretty early on that uh, screen time increased during the pandemic. Um, yep. So naturally, more eyes were on social media. 
Um, and we saw more, we learned more, and we became more aware of a lot of issues and causes. I mean, for example, um, the murder of George Floyd um, mm-hmm. and the video footage that became went, went viral on the internet um, and the 911 call from um, when Breonna Taylor was murdered in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, mm-hmm. And those, you know, immediately, you know, people were organizing and, you know, getting things in place. And I don't think that without social media that we would have seen as large of an attention on those things than that we did with it. Um, but in addition, uh, social distancing and the lockdowns that happened during COVID um, made in-person organizing difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding those ways to act, um, those groups had to translate a lot of that to social media. That's a good point. And I, I'm, this is supposition, but I, I'm, I always wonder if like the fact that a lot of us were locked down for so long that like we needed a reason to go out and this was like, you know, a pretty compelling one. Uh, and so I, I wondered if that, that had something to do with it, but you're right. Like with a lot of folks cooped up at home on their screens, um, you know, that, that, that's a recipe for folks learning and engaging in some of this stuff. Um, you know, on the flip side, social media is, and we sort of talked about this, right? There's, there seems to be a new issue that crops up every day. Like what are, I'm curious, what, what are some of those challenges, uh, and, and, and how these activist groups have sort of compensated for like the lack of getting attention for certain issues, especially if that issue was the issue of the day three issues ago, right? Like, like how, how do they kind of keep that, that interest and that awareness alive? I think just with consistency and understanding mm-hmm. that, like what's manageable for, for their team and their group. Um, because like I said, um, it's, it can be really overwhelming uh, to be on social media and so many things are coming at you at once. It's this never ending stream of information. And that's a challenge in and of itself for um, activist groups and, and causes because there are so many communication channels to saturate. Um, there's F- Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and there's different venues within those apps too, like reels and stories and spaces. Um, and these groups are trying to work with algorithms on these apps and trends that are happening um, both around the issues and otherwise. Um, and they're also having to combat, you know, internet clutter like bots and trolls. Um, so it's it's not an easy task. But uh, I think that they have a lot of tools that they're they're putting into action that can help. And just lastly, just any advice on how to more meaningfully engage? You know, if you are aware of something, if you've been talking with folks on social media about an issue that you feel strongly about what's what's some advice you have to give yeah um so a, a lot of the activists kind of reiterate the, the folks that i talked to um they 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 said to remember that social media is just one tool um if it gets overwhelming take a step back you know turn off your phone um and check out what's possible for you to do in your kind of immediate area and you're not going to solve every problem and you're not going to be incredibly world versed on every issue and that's okay it's important to find the root of the movement who's organizing things who are the folks directly impacted by this issue 
because those are the voices that need attention and they need to be amplified. You also don't have to tell anyone that you're doing something or you're engaging with an issue. Social media is big about sharing, obviously. Um, yes. But you don't have to take photos at that march. You don't have to share that you donate a lot of money because I think that can kind of toe that line of performative activism because it happens to the best of us. You know, when somebody likes our post a lot, I mean, it feels good. So I, but I think that's something to it to examine within yourself. And I think we all have the responsibility to learn and educate ourselves when we become aware about an issue, but, but don't get caught up in comparing yourself to the actions of others, even if they're good. Um, I think the last, if the last two years have taught us anything, it's that we need to be more gentle with ourselves. And if changing the frame of your Facebook picture is how you're authentically showing up in support, then that's okay. That is good advice. Uh, we got we got go a little easier on ourselves. Thanks, Shelby, for your time. You can check out our story on CNET.com. Stick around all week for our Citizen Now series, where we talk about everything from digital activism to fighting misinformation. If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at Roger W. Chang. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For the Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.